The Jet Set Breakfast with Michelle Constant, 7 to 10 a.m. Choice song taking us into our first guest today as part of the guest presenter. As I said, we're going to be talking to two separately different people about food security and uh, try and understand what our role is to ensure food security for all. Food security for children, that would be my my, uh, focus. Kurt uh, Ackerman is the first of our three guests and we have him on the line. He's the CEO of the SA Urban Food and Farming Trust. Kurt, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Kurt, what a great song to start with. And we like to ask all our guests why they choose the songs that they do. Um, I did hear The Harvest and the Seed, but I thought, no, that can't just be the reason. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the first time I heard this song by Joe Pug, he's an American. He wrote that um, back in 2009 when he was age 23 and just sure. something about the irreverence of kind of coming into the world as an adult and kind of engaging and seeking and connecting as humans. Um, there's, there's a lot there. I mean, there's yeah. kind of Bob Dylan-esque lyrics Absolutely. that will take an hour to unpack, but um, just a beautiful, irreverent, kind of loving, seeking human connection and for me, just the feeling and the music um, echoes the word. So yeah. I, I love so it's, it. It's a beautiful song. Kurt, you are the CEO of the SA Urban Food and Farming Trust. What is it that you guys do? Mm-hmm. So we are uh, an NGO uh, established formally back in 2014. We emerged out of some of the work that was done um, in the establishment of the Iran Music City Farm and Market. Um, and that's kind of where our roots are. And we kind of focused on taking what we learned and the resources and skills we had and trying to make a broader impact in more vulnerable communities than we were originally working and also in the food system as a whole. So what that means today is that we work um, with over 800 informal food gardeners across the Cape Flats helping strengthen them as collectives and support them in their food growing um, and build resilience for them and their gardens and their households. And then we also work um, kind of with the the big picture and um, run an event program annually that is called the Food Indaba. It's been called the Mm. Food Dialogues next year. It'll be called the Food Indaba. And that's our chance to try to connect the, the academics and the policymakers and all these really interesting people who are the big picture thinkers with the realities of what's going on on the ground, not only the work that we do, but with you know people all across South Africa and beyond, um, so that the complexity of the, the food system is really out for all to see and we can try and, and make yeah. a difference. So those are the core things that we do. There's more, but it's really through food and farming, trying to kind of strengthen the the lived realities of most vulnerable South Africans. So, you know, as I was reading through all the, you, you know, your bio and your CV and, and, and some of the things that you've spoken about and that kind of thing, um, I was, I'm intrigued by the idea of urban food farming. And, you know, as we know, more and more people are shifting into the urban areas. And that, that does start to raise very interesting questions about where food is actually farmed and also where the people are. Um, We do have to go to a break, but maybe when we come back, you could talk to us a little bit more about that.
Let's go to the break. Happy to do that. The Jet Set Breakfast on SAFM. Destination unknown. So our first guest today is Kurt Ackerman, the CEO of the SA Urban Food and Farming Trust. And we're talking about the concept of urban food and farming. And what interests me about that is not simply because it is in an urban area, but because we know that over time and over years, more and more people shift into the urban areas because that's where they're able to hopefully find work. That's where they're able to um, hopefully make um, a, a living on a day-to-day basis. Kurt, talk to us about that in terms of the kind of communities that you're able to support in urban areas. Okay. Um, I think the focus on urban is really critical for us as we think about our food system. Very often we talk about agriculture it's happening in, primarily in rural areas, mm. and that is where the production happens. But, you know, South Africa is technically food secure. We grow enough food to feed our our people in terms of volume, calories, and nutrients. But the reality is that um, millions of South Africans are food insecure. And mm. a big part of that is about access and our urban environment. So we do often focus on urban issues. When, we, when it comes to urban food growing, there's a, a very kind of complicated reality. Um, most of the work that we do is with people who are in vulnerable um, and under-resourced communities across the Cape Flats in particular. Um, and given the size of the space they have available and the cost of farming, they can't grow enough food to actually feed their households. They yeah. will not address the food insecurity their household face. And if you think about it, you know, where are you going to grow the wheat? Where are you going to grow the mealies? What about meat? What about dairy? All those yeah. kinds of things. So the food gardening that they're doing is supplemental and it helps, but it's not solving the problem. And if they grow and they sell, they can't grow enough and get a big enough price to earn enough to change the material circumstances of household. They just will still be vulnerable. So it helps in cash-strapped households. Every bit of money helps. But again, it's a it's a supplemental strategy. So for most Cape Tonians or for most people in urban spaces, um, growing their own food is not a solution. It's a it's a complement to a, a broader approach to addressing the issues. For others who are in kind of middle class or more affluent communities, growing food is an important activity as well for different reasons. The reasons that also apply to vulnerable people, right? It's just because people might not have a lot of money doesn't mean they don't love nature and beauty and biodiversity and they don't want clean, safe, green spaces for their kids and, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, And so we're connected in that way with food growing. It's just the emphasis tends to be uh, you know, on food insecurity, where people are food insecure, but all of us want to grow food. And for, for us, we view that as as an act of agency, right? Even if you grow that one chili plant, you're trying, you're not simply passive and not a consumer. And maybe later, you'll grow a little bit more and get more involved. You'll respect what it takes for farmers to actually grow the food that we eat. Um, so we don't want people to be passive, but we also don't want to oversell what what urban agriculture can do for vulnerable communities. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking about the concept of agency and I cannot recall where I heard this or, or read this or whatever. And I feel like I could have done being on the show is when one thinks of innovation, there's the concept of vertical farms. And I'm like wondering, is this a space like we could start looking at in terms of innovation in urban areas with food and um, food security? So it's a very interesting question, um, and we had a, have had a chance to come explore this practically. We're working with um, the Mr. Price Foundation and Fresh Light Produce on a hydroponic 
vertical farm on the rooftop of the Kenilworth Shopping Center yeah. um, to try and test this. Because in Cape Town in particular, we, we have land available broadly. Um, and the expense of setting up these capital-intensive, high-yield kind of cash crop um, tunnels and vertical farms doesn't really justify the cost if mm. what you're trying to do is address food insecurity. So if you're in a commercial space and you're trying to, to grow high-end microgreens for fancy restaurants or or higher-end retailers, then you know maybe there's a business case for that and one can look at it and, and that's great and it's happening around the world, but it's not gonna impact things at the scale that is gonna move the needle for, for really hungry people. Yeah. And one of the things we're also exploring is is helping some of the more skilled farmers that we work with to do just this and to start to grow high yield cash crops, higher density planting to see whether they can actually earn the kind of money that will give their fam families kind of more financial stability and resilience. So mm. the jury is still out on that for yeah. us in Cape Town. But it is a very interesting question. I'm skeptical, but, you know, we're, yeah. we're led by the data. So yeah. we're happy to try. So, you know, I mean, I'm listening to you talk. I mean, if we think about food security, and I'm, I'm specifically thinking about South Africa, um, I think I read somewhere once that one in five uh, people are, are, do not have a proper meal in a day in this country, which is just shocking. But the, when we think about food security, it's almost like it's its around the, the, the idea of crisis. And crisis is, of course, the short-term requirements, short-term responses. Then there's the long-term. So now we have to deal with the short-term. But critically, we also need to deal with if we could look at this in a long-term sustainability, then it has huge opportunity. Um, are you constantly trying to balance the short-term crisis and the long-term sustainability? Yeah. It's, it's very, very difficult. Um, you know, we, we need to provide, um, you know, supplemental feeding assistance. We need to feed people. They're hungry. You know, you can't build, you can't engineer a structure that's going to take 10 years to change. And in the meantime, people grow up and grow old and are hungry and malnourished and so on. We've got to have the, the food relief that's happening, but that alone doesn't change the system. So we've got to do both and it's not an either or. Um, and the structural changes you know, in the short term, there are some things that can be done longer term. You know, we don't have um, a coordinated government approach on food. We don't have broad civil society forums on on food, although some are emerging. When we engage with the big retailers and brand owners, they um, they talk about the threats of the Competition Commission and collusion, which okay. is a bit ironic because they do that anyway. Um, but, you know, it's that kind of coordination around a response that is lacking. We don't have the structures to coordinate that. Um, so there are moves afoot to do that. There's a, a food and bezo that is, is, has been established that's trying to coordinate food systems governance. But anyway, those bigger picture questions um, we definitely need to work on. In the short term, the kinds of things that can can make a difference are policy shifts like ending the, the zero the, that rating mm. on some of the, the basic basket of food items. I mean, there's the majority of that cost savings goes to middle class and affluent people in part because low-income people don't have a lot of money to spend, but they also buy from informal traders who are not paying VAT anyway. So if we did things like get rid of that and then take the, I mean, it's been estimated um, that there's there's billions, I guess like 23 billion Rand um, that could be then redirected into programs that directly target the poor. We could top up the, the ECD feeding schemes, the SASA grants, 
Um, and those are things that directly benefit the most vulnerable people. So there are some policy levers we have that could make a difference in the short term as well. You know, I heard about this young entrepreneur. I, I heard him speaking about a week ago, a few, and now I've forgotten his name. But he's got a project called Kualisa, which is, of course, the Zulu, the word to fill it up. And he has started mm-hmm. these projects um, in various different um, townships where you, you can, instead of having to buy a whole bag of mealy meal, you can just bring a bottle and fill up the bottle. So you buy as much as you mm. as you need. And it does feel very exciting that we could have different ways of, as, as we talk about the short term, of approaching food needs in different ways to what we are um, uh, expected to do in the mainstream, etc. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are examples of what you describe as well. There's um, uh, a food um, accelerator called Wakanda Food Accelerator yes. run by Miles Kubeka. Yeah, that's and Miles got, Kubeka. Yeah, Miles. That's, okay, yeah, it's Miles go. Kubeka. Yeah. yeah, it's a brilliant model. And it's, where you can go and buy a slice of bread or a handful of beans or exactly. you know kilos, whatever you yeah. need. And that kind of innovation that responds directly to what the community needs um, is very important. And so often we, we talk about the informal sector and the informal food economy, but that's where the innovation is coming from. Yeah, exactly. And more than half of South Africans get their food through the informal sector, not exclusively, but it's a very important part. And some research by, by Mark Vecherif um, has shown that the informal sector can be far more, it typically is far more efficient and cost effective than the formal sector. So allowing that innovation to happen and not simply to regulate them out of existence is an important kind of space that is going to help us come up with these solutions. So I absolutely support what you're, what you're saying along those lines. Kurt, we're going to leave you there and move into our next uh, person that we're speaking on the, con- on, the t- on the topic. I want to say thank you so much. It really sounds like you guys are doing very, very exciting work. Kurt Ackerman is the CEO of the SA Urban Food and Farming Trust. And as he says, uh, Miles Kubeka is the entrepreneur I'm thinking of. And he's got uh, a project called Wakanda. And in specific, it's literally, as, uh, as Kurt says, you can go and buy... Um, a cup of beans instead of having to buy the entire bag of beans or a couple of slices of bread.